We are the salt of the earth. We are to bring, bring flavor to the world around us. We are the light of the world. We're to bring color and make things more colorful and entertaining. So um, we're serious about these challenges. It's things that we're going to keep on talking about. Uh, you know, I was just over at the Gray Eagle, and uh, they're, they're packing it out over there, filling up every chair, pulling out extra chairs. I'm here this morning, and we're filled. And, and I'm just going, what's next? What's next? You know, we, we, we just last week talked about how the gospel changes us. And if the gospel really changes us, I think there's something that it compels us to do. And it's the love of Christ that compels us and, and his, the good news. And I want to talk to you about that today. But because I'm serious about what we just shared on the video, I just want to tell you how you can respond. If you're going, hey, that's me. I want to do that. I'm excited about what was said. Uh, where's Grady Shope? Where are you? It's right over there. If you want to know more about serving on a team, you talk to this man. He's, he's the appointed guy, and he'll get you set and get you connected, and you'll find your place, your niche. Uh, if you are, I, I want to let you know also if you're interested in being one of the 20 tables. I want to tell you, uh, or hosting a, a, a neighborhood party. We just want to know your name so we can pray for you, support you. We don't want to take control of it. We want to let it be your thing, but we want to help you in any way that we can. We want to support you in any way we can. And I want you to know that it's not, oh, well, that's just for old married couples to do that kind of stuff. I want to tell you, it's for single people. If you're single and you got a table, you can set up. I don't care if your table's at Bojangles. You can set up a table, invite six people to it, and that don't are not connected in a gel group, not connected in something. I want to tell you, if you're a teenager, you can do this. I want to tell you that you can invite some of your teenager friends, six over to your house, or you can throw. And I don't care if you're a you're a Flintstone kid, you can throw a neighborhood party, and you can invite all your neighborhood buddies over. Okay. So I'm telling you, these challenges are for everybody. And on our service teams, I want you to know our kids carry some of these teams. So thank you, teenagers and children, for carrying us. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. I just want to read this quickly, and at a certain part, I'm going to ask you to help me. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. Some of you are saying amen. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for the one who died for them and was raised again. Now, if you help me out here, let's read together. Some, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself, not in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, God created us for good. 
but we were damaged by evil. Then we were restored for better through Jesus Christ, and now we are sent together to heal. We have been called to join God in his mission that has been aimed at the nations and the people of the world since the dawn of time. I want you to know this, this wasn't just something that he came up with midway through the course of history and said, you know what, I, I want to send Jesus and let's change the direction of things. This, no, this is what God had in his heart from the very beginning when he first created the heavens and the earth, when he made Adam and Eve. And I want to show you the, the, just a, a quick track of this going through. I want to show you the heart of God since the beginning. This has been God's heart. God chose Abraham not to just bless Abraham, but to bless what? Bless who? The nations. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. When God rescues, uh, rescues Joseph's family, he also rescues Egypt and the surrounding what? Nations. Genesis 41, 57. God tells Moses his purpose for the Exodus is to make God known to all the nations. Exodus 9, 16. When Solomon builds the temple, God makes it clear that he's concerned for the stranger and the foreigner to come learn of God at his house. And later Jesus says that the temple of God was to be a house of prayer for what? All nations. When God punished Israel and sent them into exile, he also sent them as ambassadors to the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and the Persians. Both King Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian, and King Darius, a Persian, were converted, turning to the one true God. God's mission took a major advancement when he came in the flesh of the Son, Jesus. And then Jesus, when Jesus said, God so loved the world, he meant it. He meant it. God loves all people all the nations, and he's going for broke. He's going for all of us. And though God does not need our help, he can do it and accomplish it by his own arm. He has invited you and me into this amazing God-sized mission, administering grace, bearing fruit, revealing Christ in our lives daily, the gospel, revealing the gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, preach to the ends of the world. And the amazing thing is that God is going to succeed in this. He's going to see it. It's going to happen. God is going to have people represented from every tribe, tongue, and nation on, and when it's all said and done on the final day. And so you've been invited to be a part of the winning team. But I got two questions for you. Have you died yet? Can you think of the day that you were crucified with Christ? Second question. Are you ready to live for him? Are you ready to tell the story that someone died for you, that someone lived the life that you should have lived and died the death that you should have died? Are you ready to live for him? And I want to tell you, if, if, if you, I know that maybe different people in different places, you can answer, well, I can answer one of those questions. I can't answer that second one. I don't, well, I don't want to answer it. I want to say, if you can't answer the second question, then you've got to go back to the first question. Have you died yet? So I got two questions, and I want to tell you more about being on this winning team and what's happening in our world and where the greatest needs are. But first, I, I want to tell you how you can participate in God's mission, because the gospel is good news. It's good news to us, and he's calling us to share it. But not only that, he's calling us to be the good news, to, to do the good news, to tell the good news, to go the good news. And Jesus did all four of those things. So I want us to look at him, and then I want us to imitate him. Because that's the only place for us to go right now. That's the only place for us to go as a church right now. Orangeville, Gray Eagle, 
Island Christian Church, we got to be the gospel. What do I mean by that? Being the good news. Jesus revealed who he was through a bunch of I am statements. He said, I am the life. I am the resurrection. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world and the true vine. There were other I am statements that Jesus said. Those are just a few of them. But the point is, is that these statements revealed who Jesus was and who he was. He he described his being, not so much his doing. And just simply who he was, was good news to us. It was good news that he said, I am the life. That's good news to me because I need life. When he said, I am the resurrection, that's good news to me because I need the resurrection. It's good news because when he says, I'm the shepherd, because I need a shepherd for my soul. He was good news simply by who he was, his being, not so much his doing. The greatest news is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. If Jesus was not being these things, then the good news he spoke would have been discredited. The good news would have been false. But the truth is, he is these things. He was, and he is, and he will be these things. And the same goes for us. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. You are God's workmanship. You're you're, you're created, and you're being shaped into Jesus' likeness. You know, at the cross, at our, our life exchange with Jesus, we agreed to cooperate with that vision that God had for us. We said, yes, I want you to shape me like your son. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us exactly who he wants us to be. He told us in what we call the be attitudes. Simply be these things, become these things. It is totally possible for these attitudes that Jesus spoke of to be formed in believers through the fruit that grows by the Holy Spirit. It's totally possible. If somebody's told you that living out the the Beatitudes, living out the Sermon on the Mount is impossible, I want you to tell you that is false. That is false. It is possible without Jesus Christ. It is impossible without the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. But this is who he wants us to be. Becoming like Jesus is not instantaneous, though. It's a growing process that the Bible tells us is possible for those who are born of God. 1 John 5 3 and 5, you will overcome this world if Christ Jesus is in you. You know, this is more than, than just being real. I know we've, we talked about authenticity being essential, but I want, I want to let you know that we've all met people who are genuine, but certainly don't remind us of Jesus. We are becoming like Jesus. Be salt, be light, be merciful, be poor in spirit, be loving, be loyal, be friendly. And those things might seem small to you, But I want to tell you how big and how long those things last because they long outlive doing and telling. I I remember my grandparents vividly in my mind and my imagination, but I don't remember half the things that they told me. I don't remember half the things that they did for me, but I remember who they were. I remember that they were kind, that they were gentle, and that they were faithful. And that made a difference in my life. Be the good news. 
telling the good news. Jesus was not only good news himself in his being. He told the good news. Jesus said one of the reasons he was sent to preach the good news of the, uh, preach the, good news of the kingdom of God. He, said he was sent to proclaim freedom and release. Jesus was compelled to tell so people could hear and know the truth. And what did he say about the truth? If you are my disciples and hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples and you'll know the truth. And if you know the truth, the truth will what? Set you free. That's right. And so there were things that Jesus wanted us not to merely see, but he wanted us to know and to believe. And for us to believe, something has to be proclaimed. Something has to be told. If Jesus came and only did miracles, if Jesus only came and died on the cross but never spoke a word, we'd probably scratch our heads and go, I think something's going on. I think God is trying to tell us something. I'm not sure what. We'd just be puzzled. We'd be confused. Somebody has to explain it to us. Somebody has to tell us. Somebody has to proclaim it. So Jesus came telling the good news. We have to do the same. If we only be the good news but never tell the good news, we're going to leave a lot of people confused and scratching their heads and puzzled. I know that folks love to, to that quote, you know, tell the good news and use words if necessary. That's great for a bunch of people that are just blowing hot air who are all talk and no action. But I really don't think that that's this group of people. I think you're different. I think you guys have some substance. I think you understand being the gospel and living the gospel. But I want to encourage you, we also got to speak. You see, Jesus didn't call us to be mimes. He didn't call us to, to pantomime and do this silent thing where everybody's scratching their head and guessing and going. You see, when you be the gospel, that is counterculture. When you're a being like Jesus, it's going to cause people to ask questions. They're going to say, there's something different about you. I don't understand why you do what you do. Why do you do that? It's going to call for some words, isn't it? You're going to have to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have, to give a reason for why there's a difference in your life. And the, gospel, and the scriptures tell us that we've got to be ready for that. You and I are called to be Christ ambassadors. Imagine an ambassador from the U.S. to Pakistan who didn't speak the language the Pakistanis, and went there and was just trying to mime out what the United States wanted and needed to communicate. We would be in big trouble. There would be some major confusion and some terrible things that would happen and follow. We, we've got to speak. But we're not just speaking our opinions. We're not just talking about what we want. We're talking and we're speaking Jesus' words because Jesus' words have life. Jesus' words, when you put them into practice, become a foundation for your life that will outlast and withstand the storms of life. We want to share words that have eternal significance, and those are Jesus' words. Telling the good news was going to fall into several categories, preaching, telling, uh, preaching, uh, teaching, sharing, mentoring. But I want to let, let you know that, that those come out in different forms. You see it here at Highland. You know, we, there's, there's print, there's video, there's drama, there's storytelling, there's testimonies, there's song, there's all sorts of creative performance. In the body of Christ, there is great variety. And the desire of the leadership of this church is that each of you finds your own authentic form in telling to proclaim the unchanging message of Jesus with conviction, with hope, and with creativity. 
We desire that for each of you. And I believe that every Christ follower should be ready to tell their own testimony. What do I mean by testimony? It's your, you simply telling what Jesus has done in your life and how. It's simply telling your story. And you can tell it freely anytime, anywhere. You don't have to have a degree from a Bible college. You don't have to have lots of verses memorized from the Bible to do it. Your testimony is your story. And every good story has a beginning, has a turning point or a conflict, and has an ending or a resolution. And I want you to think about it. I want to think about it for your life. You know, maybe for a beginning, describing your life, it would just be describing your life before you followed Jesus or before you actually knew that you really needed him. I know some of you grew up in church, and and that's a little bit of your beginning story. You kind of grew up, you heard about him, but it was kind of like, eh, uh uh-huh. And then uh, there was something that happened. There was was a, a turning point, a conflict, where all of a sudden you realized that you needed Jesus. It wasn't just those other people, but you needed him. And then you started following him. There was something that, that caused that. And then there's the whole thing that happened after that. It was just, well, what's happened since you followed him? What's happened since you have started depending on him in your life? I'm sure that there's been some changes because of that. Because, like we talked about last week, the gospel changes everything. It changes our lives. So I, I want you to know that for those of you who grew up in a Christian home and don't think you have a testimony, think again. You have a great beginning. You have a heritage that was passed on to you, faith being passed on to you, but you still have a turning point. You have a turning point where you accepted what was passed on to you. It was no longer your parents' faith, but it became your faith. More than not, there was a point of conflict or turning. And all of you have a story. You have a testimony. Letting people know that the story isn't over, that you still depend on, you still follow Jesus. When you humbly tell your story, you can leave behind the fear of someone trying to discredit you or prove you wrong because it's your experience, it's your encounter with Jesus. No one can say, no, I'm sorry, I don't think it happened that way. You know, it's your story. Telling the good news. we got to be ready to tell. Jesus was not only being and telling, but Jesus was going the good news. Jesus left heaven. He came into the world and lived for a while among us. To do that, Jesus had to go. And to go to us in such a way that he could reach us. He crossed the boundary of spirit to flesh. He crossed the boundary of heaven to earth. He crossed the boundary of king to servant. He crossed the boundary of rich to poor. He, made, he was made in human likeness. And for the good news to reach us, it had to come to us personally and physically in a form that was somewhat familiar to us, yet at the same time altogether new. Jesus showed us that the significance of going in, that, in such a way such a way that we could be reached. You know, I, I could in, invite or tell something to the, the skaters outside the orange peel, but something changes in me and for the skaters if I go and sit on the curb with them, and even more so if I go and grab a skateboard and join them. Going always involves intentionally crossing, crossing a barrier, whether the barrier is language, culture, or physical. Sometimes the barrier is just crossing the street to our neighbor's house. Or the barrier of years. Well, I'm young, they're old. Well, I'm old, they're young. The barrier of economics and status. Well, they're, they're kind of in that crowd. I'm not. 
Sometimes it's just the barrier of unfamiliarity. Part of going is being willing to leave. You know, my youngest son, Alec, he's 11 years old, and he asked his mother and I, yes, that's a question about the disciples of Jesus. Uh, he said, after they were in Jerusalem and they left, did the disciples ever get together again? Did they ever get to see each other again? And I had to answer him and say, you know what, Alec? Most of them never saw each other again after that for the sake of the mission. I know for some of you it's difficult to think about your gel group multiplying for the sake of making room for others. You like the familiar, but you're going to have to intentionally break that barrier from familiar to unfamiliar for the sake of the mission. And guess what? You know, some of those people from your old gel group, you're still going to see them. You're still going to get to maintain those relationships somehow. It's maybe not as close as a connection as you hoped and wished for, but you'll still be able to maintain that relationship, unlike the disciples. But the key is, is you need to hang on to abiding in Jesus. Jesus, I want to go where you want to, want to go. I want to do what you want to do. I want to be your hands and feet. Going. Going the good news. If you want a story about that, look up Philip in Acts 8. He didn't understand the final destination of where he was going, but he just accepted the initial instructions to go. And he went. And then understanding came. Doing the gospel. Jesus accomplished good news by being, telling, going, and doing the gospel. Jesus healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind, made the lame walk. He released people from demons. Jesus said he came to serve, which he did in amazing ways. But he said he also came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. His ultimate action upon the cross was a humbling and painful sacrifice for us so that we might be forgiven and brought to God. Jesus was able to do this, serve and die in humility because he knew the Father had put all things under him, under his power, and that he had come from God. Jesus could do the good news because he was confident of who he was and what God had done. The same goes for us. <coughs> if you know who you are in Christ and you know what God has done for you, you can be confident in doing the gospel. The core of all genuine doing is just willing sacrifice motivated by love and obedience to Jesus. You know, our actions of, of serving, giving, working, caring, toiling, praying, helping, put hands and feet to our being and telling. It, it, up, it supports it. But in the same way, our being supports our doing and telling. So when we tell without doing what we say, we discredit the mission. So we can't just be talkers, right? We got to be doers. We desire our doing to be consistent with our being and our telling. And that's a bit of what Sherry was envisioning with our teams serving, going beyond these walls to our city. Well, why should you join the mission of being, telling, going, and doing the gospel? Because of who Jesus is and because of, he, of who you are. So those two things. What do I mean by that? Well, who you are you're, you're an adopted child of God. You, 
You are eager to see others to join the family, aren't you? You you are an ambassador of Christ, as though God were making his appeal through you. You you have Jesus within your life. Because of that, you're a light that shines in the darkness. You're a jar of clay. Yes, you are weak and powerless, but you have the great treasure of Christ within you, and it's ready to be revealed to the world. You are a priest to this world that's ready to confess. So many people walking around guilty, and they don't know who to tell, and you can direct them right to Christ. Who are you? You are in Jesus Christ, and he is in you. You are part of the mission merely by who you are. To not join the mission is to deny your identity. To deny your identity in Christ. To not join the mission is to oppose the new nature of Jesus in you. Don't do that. Don't fight that. Be the gospel. Be a part of the mission. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. All things were created by him and for him, and God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself to all things, making peace through his blood on the cross. Who is Jesus? He is the mission. And like I said earlier, the mission is to be fulfilled. God's going to have his way, and every tongue, tribe, and nation is going to be represented on that final day. You are invited to be a part of that scene, that final blueprint where God is going to. You're invited to be a part of the winning team. You know, the current state of the world in relation to the mission is really quite hopeful. You know, in 1900, two-thirds of all Christ followers were white, lived in the Western world and the Northern Hemisphere, North America and Europe. Today, two-thirds of all Christ followers are non-white, live in the Eastern world, Asia, and the Southern Hemisphere. Africa and Southeast Asia, South America. There are estimated 1.5 billion Christ followers in the world, and we are on the verge of the greatest missionary movement throughout the world because Christ followers are now evenly distributed throughout the planet. More missionaries are being sent out from Asia, Africa, India, and Korea than from the Western world. With the ease of travel and the, and the spread of Christ followers more evenly around the globe, the mission is at a stage of being from everywhere, going to everywhere. You know, but the need is still great. The need is still great. 4.5 billion people are not yet Christ followers. The largest population of not yet believers are now found found in China, in India, and the United States. You want to know why we're sending $20,000 or more a year to plant churches in the United States? Because it's one of the largest populations of people that don't know Christ is right here in our country. Why are we heavy on missions in China and India? Greatest populations of people who don't know Christ are there. You know, though religious and cultural pluralism has increased, religious tolerance has decreased. More Christ followers were killed in the 20th century than all centuries in the past combined. In some parts of the world, people are starving, while in other parts of the world, governments are paying farmers not to grow food because they got too much. Craziness. Because of wars and civil unrest, there are refugee camps that are sizes, the sizes of a major American cities. And in some places, there are people who have no drinkable water. We can do something about that. 
Isaac and the band, you guys can come on up. Is this mission big? Yes, it is. But our God can do far more than we can ask or imagine. It is his mission. It is God-sized. But haven't we given ourselves enough to pleasures and selfish ambitions that are way too small? Isn't it time we join something larger than ourselves? A, A vision that goes beyond what we could have imagined? A vision big enough for the world? I say yes. It's time to be a part of something like that. It's time for us to join that. And what's big enough to compel us to join this enormous mission to overcome the obstacles Well, what originally compelled God to hold, begin this whole mission? His love. It's the most powerful force in the universe. And it's the force that compels us. The Holy Spirit is wonderfully working in the world, and we can trust and know that God is going to accomplish His mission. But the question is, have you died yet? And after that, are you willing to live for him? Are you willing to tell your story? The story of someone who died for you, took your place. It's time to answer the question. I know some of you, maybe it's just a a season in the past, you go, man, I know at some point there, something changed in me. I didn't really mark that day. I know for me, I, I uh, was in the fall of my freshman year, turning point, read the Word of God, convicted my heart. I said, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm going to follow you. And from that point on, I, I, there was a change in me, a marked difference. And I didn't say anything to anybody. It was something that just happened within my heart. It was something that I prayed. I talked with God. But it came around, it was the fall, and it came around to January, this time of the year, uh, it was uh, the way I keep track of it. It was Super Bowl 14, Washington, the Redskins versus the Raiders. Uh, football was my world back then, so uh, that's how I kept track of it. But uh, it was on that on that Sunday that, that I realized that I needed to let the body of Christ know that something had changed within me, that I was no longer just a part of the community, that but I belonged to Jesus Christ, and that I was I was with Him and His mission. And so that might be the case for you. Something's already happened, but you just need to let the body know. Or there's something on the inside that's brewing, and you just got to express it on the outside. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, and it's time to be crucified with him. Maybe it's time to say, I'm ready to tell my story. I'm ready to live for him. If that's the case, this is the moment. We're going to worship. There's going to be several songs. The band are going to leave. But in this first song, it's a time to respond. And so if there's something on the inside that needs to be expressed on the outside, I'd like you to come up here. Me, Jazz, one of our gel leaders will pray with you and uh, want to encourage you. So let's stand together. Let's sing. Let's worship.